It's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Kevin Hart. <laughs> Welcome back to Bottom of the Bargain Bin. Now, Disney did a lot of remakes of musicals in the 90s to early 2000s. Most of them readapted these, like Annie and Bye Bye Birdie, which were successful movies on their own, but strayed very far from the original source material. So, when something like The Music Man comes along, it doesn't need that. Morton DaCosta, who directed the Broadway production, which was the Tony-winning Broadway production, and ran for several years, Morton DaCosta did the movie and brought back the original star... Robert Preston, and literally almost entirely just recreated it shot for shot, song for song, scene for scene, step for step, every single thing. So, why did this need a remake? Sure, I'll do a little new reimagining of it, but around this time, 2003, this is when the TV movie was made, 2000 was the year they did the Broadway revival, and it made a lot of changes to the show. Some of them were completely new, like changing up the orchestrations, changing some of the dances. But even in that revival, there was sort of a, you know, there was a new twist on it that had not been seen before. Uh, So this new movie was based a little bit on that 2000s revival, but still attempts to do its own thing, and the results kind of vary. Uh, if you aren't familiar with the story of The Music Man, a quick rundown is that Harold Hill, or at least that's the name he goes by, is a traveling salesman who sells uh, marching bands to towns that are in desperate need of them. They don't know they're in trouble yet, but they will once Harold Hill comes to town. So, He tries to swindle this entire town, this fictional town of River City, but he gets caught up in a lot of different characters, and for the first time in his life, it seems like this might not be as easy to swindle as some of the other towns, so I love this show. I love the original movie. I did the musical a couple years ago. I've seen it before. I think I just love the score, so there was this other movie of it, and I really wanted to watch it, but... Yeah, I saw it a long time ago and forgot how weird this movie is. Because it readapts the musical, and as far as the script and the placement of songs and everything goes, it is almost exactly the same in that regard. So I'm going to do a bit of a comparison to see why this version does not work as well as the original. Let's start off with just the songs. And I'm going to be going through the songs. And before we even get to the songs, let me just say that this... TV movie really, really loves to do this thing where it takes a song and where they would normally be singing it and, you know, performing it to the camera or something. They decide, we'll just have the character do something like, oh, maybe they'll be doing dishes or they're doing yard work or they're trying to complete some task, but they're singing and belting their lungs out while they're doing it. And this is for almost every single song in this movie. Aside from, obviously, something like Shapoopy, where they're dancing, or Till There Is You, which is the love scene, a lot of these, like Wells Fargo Wagon, even some of the somber songs, like My White Knight, they're doing stuff. Like, uh, I just don't understand that. I think that's a weird choice to make. Anyways, let me go through the songs individually. The first one, Rock Island, is the train ride from Brighton to Rock Island, which conveniently 
takes about three minutes, the length of the song, but, oh my goodness. So here's the thing about Rock Island. The I read a book a while ago about the making of this musical from Meredith Wilson, who wrote The Music Man, and Rock Island originally had underscoring under it, and uh, they didn't really think it fit very well. What ended up in the final Broadway show and in the original movie is a song that is a cappella and essentially a rap. They're rapping to the beat of the train. There was a real steam engine on stage in the Broadway production. Of course, the big budget Hollywood movie. They're on a train that's, you know, it's, it's in front of a green screen. You can tell in the HD versions, but, you know, they're on a train and, you know, they're, you know, they're rapping to the of the train. For some reason, this TV movie brings back that orchestration and plays it halfway through, and... Ever meet a fella by the name of Hill? 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 Hell! No! Just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. Never heard of any salesman, Hill. Now he doesn't know the territory. Doesn't know the territory? What's the fella's line? Never worries about his line. Never worries about his line. Or the Cracker Barrel being obsolete, or the you need a biscuit in an airtight sanitary package. Yeah, it does not sound that good in my opinion. Some people might like it, but uh, it really just does not need to be there. Then when Hill gets off the train, he goes into River City, Iowa, where you get the song Iowa Stubborn. He meets the people of River City, and they are welcoming, but they are also very, very, very stubborn. Here is the trouble with the song. Um, It, it plays out almost exactly the same in both of them, um, with just the TV movie ending with them all taking a picture, but, you know, they all end up in a big formation as they would have in the stage show. However, the original movie does this, you know, does a good job of showing how, you know, lackaday and, oh, uh, of these people. Fine-looking animal. For a horse, yeah. The remake, everybody's walking around like they're on their way to their job or they, or they missed something I, I don't know look at the fast everyone's going you know it doesn't seem like there's oh like a day i wins who will give you the shirt off your back it's just such a, such a clean number in this version which is not that it should be sloppy and not sound good but it just doesn't it doesn't capture the iowa stubbornness that well then we go to trouble this is the first big song in the show it's essentially a monologue very much like rapping at the beginning but let's talk about our star, Matthew Broderick, in this version. Um, Matthew Broderick is a good actor, and he's even a good singer and dancer. Uh, he's done a great job in stuff like The Producers, and even in the 90s, he played Finch in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and, you know, there's certain roles he can do. Harold Hill, in The Music Man, is not one of those roles that he's good at. I'm sorry. I am sure Matthew Broderick is very nice in person. I don't have anything against him, but this is not the role for him. This feels not so much like he's... Because there's so... This is such a dialogue-driven song that he is telling these people, you know, he's riling them up. It's a 
slippery slope argument and you know there's meaning behind every word and he's but he's really just sort of you know firing off the lyrics more so than tailor-maids like cigarette fiends and bragging all about how they're gonna cover up a telltale breath with sense and one fine night they leave the pool hall heading for the dance at the armory libertine men and scarlet women and ragtime shameless music that'll grab your son your daughter with the arms of a jungle animal instinct masteria friend the idol brain is the devil's playground trouble you know take for example robert preston the original harold hill you can tell he puts meaning behind every single thing he's saying they leave the pool hall heading for the dance at the armory libertine men and scarlet women and ragtime shameless music that'll grab your son your daughter with the arms of a jungle animal instinct masteria friends the idle brain is the devil's playground trouble then oh, that like this is what's gonna this 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 and you know Matthew Broderick's just kind of reciting the lines, going back and forth through the pool hall. Eh, it's not that great. The next song is where we meet Marion the Librarian and her mother and her brother, Winthrop, as well as Amaryllis, who's one of her piano students. They do the piano lesson, and Marion sings Goodnight, My Someone. It's almost exactly the same, so I'm not really going to go over it. The next song, 76 Trombones. This is the big song of the show. Everybody knows the song. It's in the overture. It's in the entre act. It's in all the incidental music in the show. I mean, this is the song. 76 trombones led the big parade with 110 cornets close at hand. They were followed by rows and rows of the finest virtuosos, the cream of every famous band. And it blows in this version. I mean, horrible. Horrible. It's one of the worst parts of this, and it's unfortunate because I love this music. When I was re-watching this and re-watching the original movie, I was just remembering I love this music so much. And just like I'm just bumping along to the music, and this just God, this is just one of the worst versions of this song. Seventy-six trombones caught the morning sun with a hundred and ten cornets right behind. There were more than a thousand reeds springing up like weeds. There were horns of every shape and kind. You know, again, a similar problem to trouble. Matthew Broderick is just kind of performing the song is he's trying to hey i mean it's this one's more of like he's selling the band to everybody as a salesman but i mean my goodness he's just like you know if he's not like mugging and not like in a creative little way just sort of like winking or doing uh, things of that nature i mean you know he's just kind of doing his little thing where he waves his arms around and bugs out his eyes and then the dance break is ruined and it's not good either one of the best songs in the show ruined next one is sincere it's a nice cute little song about falling in love they sing it at an ice cream shop in this version because the first thing he does is goes ice cream ice cream ice cream ice cream to all of them and sadder but wiser girl i must say i do like how they do this song in this version i like the little bumpy honky tonk sort of thing they do with it but oh goodness again 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 matthew broderick is just mugging and bugging out his eyes and uh, i'm sorry i know he is a good actor and other things but i cannot take him in this role and again why do they always have to be doing something pick a little talk a little feels very claustrophobic they're in a hat shop again song sounds fine but now i'm going to talk about one of the big 
quite literally reasons the original movie works so much better than this one, and it has to do with how you watch it, the aspect ratio. The TV version is in full screen, which is as big as a TV would have been around that time. And I think they do about as good as they can probably do with that limitation. And apparently there's a widescreen version, but I've, I've never seen it, so I don't know if it's like cropped or what, but... With the original movie, it was shot in this grand anamorphic widescreen, and you can see very clearly when I say he recreated the stage show, you can see that just all these songs and dances are done almost exactly as they were done on stage. And I know for some people, when they watch movies, maybe that's not what they want to see. For me, I like that they did that. It's, it's cool to see. So when you take these big dance numbers and put them into this TV movie, it, it just doesn't work as well. And speaking of how the movie looks, the original movie is so colorful. It's in Technicolor, sure, but this movie is just so dull looking. It's so washed out. Marion the Librarian is the next song, the dance in the library. So there's a joke in this song that's in the show in the original movie. Where Harold Hill, he says, I'm going to drop these marbles. And at the end of the song, he reveals he actually had marshmallows in it. So he's screwing with her the whole time. But in this one, he actually has marbles. I just think that's a weird design choice. And I guess Hill's a little more chaotic in this version. I mean, those eyes, I don't know. Gary, Indiana. This is one of the changes that I actually do enjoy that they did in this version. They kept putting Gary, Indiana earlier in the show. Don't have much to say about it. It's almost exactly the same. And then another thing I will give this TV movie credit for is My White Knight, which I mentioned a little earlier, but this is a song that was in the stage show that ended up being cut from the original movie. They kept, like, the bridge of it, but wrote a new song sort of around it. I'm not a huge fan of that song, and I wasn't a huge fan of My White Knight, but it's grown on me, and I think it's a beautiful song. Good, Kristen Chenoweth is fine, but again, why do people have to do just do little tasks as they're singing. Can nobody park and bark in this movie? The Wells Fargo Wagon is it's the exciting, catchy Act 1 stinger. It plays out very similarly, but, eh, you know, just not as good as the original. It's You, one of the quartet songs. Again, I'm glad they added this one back into the show. Lie to Rose and Will I Tell You. Now, as much as I love the original movie, and you can probably already tell I like it a lot more than this version, I will say that the original movie, with a very dated sort of side-by-side -side technique, just does verbatim what's on stage, basically looking like, here's the spotlight on this side of the stage, this side of the stage. I think it looks cool, but obviously this is not, you know, cinematically one of the best things ever. But I would take it over what they're doing here. It's shot in this, like, weird, you know, battlefield earth. Everything's shot at an angle. But then it's, like, cross-faded into each other. Chapoopy! The, oh my god, how could they screw this one up? I mean, even Family Guy, which, albeit Family Guy just recreated it exactly. Much like, you know, this movie did with its original stage show. But they took the song and they just made it bland and blah i mean you know with the color scheme and then they change the orchestrations they change the dancing and it just is really just flat not exciting not this big elaborate dance number just this hey well shapoopy's in the musical so we have to do it here the big lovely stinger till there was you is fine Kristen chenoweth does a good job and we get to hear matthew broderick's tenor voice but i never Say! 
Then we get to the finale of the movie. Again, plays out almost exactly the same, and with the magic of 2003 CGI, this stick turns into a baton, and they march to the end of the movie. Alright. No, I don't like this movie at all. I love the music, and, you know, maybe I would get the soundtrack for it, but goodness gracious. And you know what, the, the thing is, I didn't talk a whole lot about the ensemble, because the ensemble is fine. I mean, they're great. Most of them are fine. Molly Shannon is really funny. Victor Garber is really funny. Kristen Chenoweth does a good job. But uh, Matthew Broderick just brings the whole thing down. If you look at the original movie, they had several people from the original cast. Of course, Robert Preston, but they also had Pert Kelton, who played the mother on Broadway. They had the original Barbershop Quartet from the musical. And look, there's Ron Howard. Yes, that's actually Ron Howard. That is a very young Ron Howard playing Winthrop in the original movie, who of course would go on to, uh, you know, do one or two things. This movie does almost nothing new, and the things it does new are not needed and not good. And I'd go so far as to say that this is just a terrible recreation of a wonderful movie that did not need to be remade or readapted at all. I just don't understand why this movie had to be made and i cannot recommend it at all i don't think it's very good and i don't think you should waste your time watching it if you feel the need to watch the music man just go watch the original 